0: Hey, this is Arya from Skin Dread and you're listening to the Itch podcast. Turn up the song, Come on, all your the girl vocal in the and I'm a now. Come on. Super psycho bomb G, we don't give a fuck
1: about my little little You're listening to The Itch. My name is Casey. My name is Dan.
2: And I'm Aaron. And this week we are scratching the itch to go psycho again because we kind of did it once before in episode
0: 107.
1: Yeah. Except this time we get to do a
0: wonderful interview. <laughs> we had the pleasure of speaking with Miss Skye Sweetnam, the lead singer of Sumo Psycho.
2: I saw them back in June in Chicago on the final tour date of their tour with Black Satellite. And we've been wanting to speak with them ever since. And uh, we we're super excited to get the opportunity to chat with Sky. And um, she had a lot to say about a lot of things. Yes,
1: she did it. And, it, it, you know, it's, it's interesting when we were doing preparation for this interview We realized that we had a lot of topics that we wanted to try to cover as much as we could, but we didn't want to talk too much about certain topics. But theoretically, we probably could have done an entire interview just on like one or two topics alone (laughs) and just talked like ad nauseum about (laughs) one topic. But we ended up not doing that, which is great on our part. But Sky is such a joy to talk with, and we're excited to to bring this to you.
0: We had about an hour's time just to make sure that we weren't wasting her time and and taking too much of her day. (laughs) And so we were definitely blessed to have as much time as we had with her.
2: sky has got a fascinating story. I won't dive into all the details, but she's been in the music industry since she was a young teenager. And so this is a woman who has been all over the place in terms of a musical career, so she She knows how to handle interviews. That's for sure. And she's got so much history that we could barely scratch the surface in that full hour.
0: Yeah, we even kind of said it uh, that, uh, you know, we're we're probably going to have to have her back. We had a lot more topics that we didn't get a chance to cover. So um, Mm -hmm. it was definitely, definitely exciting to talk to her. And and, uh, I look forward if we ever get a chance to talk to her again.
2: I'm looking forward to new Sumo Psycho music. Yes. Their album initiation came out in twenty twenty one. And frankly, we didn't really give it a much of a listen until 2022 and realize how good it was. Otherwise, it would have been on, I can say for sure, it would have been on my top 20 last year.
1: It would have been on all of our top 20 lists. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, somewhere.
2: Yeah. And so even this felt delayed. But, you know, maybe that's uh, maybe we can get hopeful about some new stuff to come in the future. And definitely an
0: excuse to have her back. We've kind of talked about this. There's just been so much new music that it's it's a bit overwhelming. And and this kind of fell to the wayside because of all the new music that was coming out being just bombarded with all the stuff post pandemic. Yeah. But I feel like we're
2: doing this band the justice they deserve by having two episodes about them within a span of a couple months.
0: Yeah, I agree. And and we kind of been doing that with a a bunch of artists. And I I think it's worked out great. I, I love being able to spend multiple episodes on artists that we truly believe deserve it. Mm hmm.
1: And Sky is definitely one of those. So without any further ado, here's our conversation with Sky Sweetnam of Sumo Psycho. We are talking with Sky Sweetnam of Sumo Psycho, and uh, we wanted to kick off with a topic that might surprise you. We know that you'll be equally excited to talk about it as much as we will be, and that will be the band Skin Dread. We started our rock radio show in college in 2004, and we were actually the first station in St. Louis to play Skin Dread, and that love quickly carried over into the podcast as we got clearance their blessing to use one of their songs as our podcast theme and we were able to interview aria the drummer as our second interview that we ever did nice (laughs) yes so we wanted to talk to you about your relationship with skin dread and like how you heard them for the first time who introduced you to them all that good stuff
3: <laughs> yeah oh my gosh well one of my all-time favorite bands and what's so cool is that our paths have been able to cross even though it kind of the whole story started with my guitarist matt we hadn't seen each other for a while and he had a bunch of music that he wanted to show me um we had been friends since i hired him as my guitarist way back when i was 14 to play guitar for my solo project. So time passed and we got back together and he had all this new music. He's like, you got to check this band out. You got to check this band out. And one of the CDs he shared with me was Babylon, Skindred's first record. I immediately fell in love with it and had like this reaction of like, I want to do that. I want to do like dance hall meets with rock and roll and Mm -hmm. metal and fuse it all together. And I was really excited about that because I I just, I don't know, there was something about Benji's voice and the mix of the music that just was really resonating with me. And so it was kind of a kickoff inspiration for us to start our band Sumo Psycho was that record and that meeting of Matt and I getting back together and kind of going over some of our favorite music that we'd kind of missed sharing with each other during the time that we hadn't spent together. So that's kind of what bonded us and got us to start Sumo Psycho. And then down the line, we were just kind of cyber stalking <laughs> Everything's sucks in Dread. And I came across their producer who had done a couple of their last records, James LaRock Lockery. He ended up being a mixer on our second record and we did a song together with him. And while we were in UK on tour, we actually kind of finagled our way to get Benji to do a feature on a song called Moon Mountains.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And although we didn't meet during the recording process, Uh, Another time back to UK, we were able to meet up with him and do a music video in his hometown of Newport, Wales, which was like one of my all time favorite days of my life, just because it was like one of those (laughs) days where you get to meet your idol and they're not only like someone you get to meet, but they're actually going to be performing with you. And, you know, he took us to the Dub War rehearsal studios, which is his first band. And so I was literally kind of living The, you know, the folklore of what I knew (laughs) about Benji, right? So I came to his house. He showed me all of his like Kerrang awards and his, you know, all of his plaques from all of the cool things that he's done in his life with his lanyards and everything. And then go to his rehearsal studio. And then he takes us around Newport and shows us all of his favorite spots to hang out and drink. And it just felt so authentic. And he was so cool and nice to us that I just, it was just an unforgettable day. And since then we've been close friends and we performed together a few times on stage. So yeah, really cool band. And that's awesome that you guys have such a cool relationship with them as well. Not enough people know about skin dread. So keep spreading the word. That's awesome. Yeah. That's
0: what we're saying. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I was going to ask you. Cause here they don't hardly get any radio played. Like honestly now it's a little bit easier, I guess, with like all the different types of media, but back in like 2004, when their albums were coming out, um, they weren't very well played. So How was it like, Because I believe, are you from Canada? Is that correct?
3: Yes. Yeah.
0: So do they get a lot of publicity up in Canada or is it like the same as U.S. market?
3: Yeah, I think it's the same as U.S. I think that it was just so happened that like Matt and his buddies all kind of have this background in like reggae and dub and all of him and his friends all kind of have this reggae rock thing that they've been doing even before I met them. So they've always kind of been into like that, kind of mix of rock and kind of the reggae vibes and dub vibes and stuff. So I think they were just had their finger on the pulse when it came to that band, like when it first dropped. Whereas uh, for me, yeah, it was a little, I think it was like a year or two after the Babylon record actually came out that I heard it for the first time, but yeah, it was really kind of like one of those moments that just pops into your head as being like a defining moment of like (laughs) when things changed, when your brain went to like, I want to start like a crazy crazy rock band too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. You can definitely hear the influence of Skindred. And what we love about Skindred and your band as well is it just mixes so many different genres together. And Mm. our show, we gravitate towards bands that do that. So you can definitely hear the influence and it's awesome. That's
3: cool. (laughs) Yeah.
1: We
2: learned that the three of us have very different tastes. And so we dubbed Skindred our favorite band because they're like, you're not going to find an artist that melds so many things so well. This really covers all of the bases in terms of our own personal interests. And so that's why they are the Itch's official favorite band.
3: That's awesome. Yeah. It is interesting because we've been able to travel so much with the project mm-hmm. of just seeing like the differences of like a band such as Skindred who, you know, can play like Wembley Stadium and yeah. then come to the States. And then it's like, oh, nobody knows you guys. Like, it's like, <laughs> the territories are so different and like we found that too with a lot of bands we've fallen in, in love with a lot of bands from overseas that just don't get the same amount of tension in america and then vice versa where it's like we're going on tour with a band that we're like oh that band is like huge in america and then we go to uk and we're like Does anyone know them here? So (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it is weird. And like territories are so different everywhere in the world. And one of the main references that I always say, which is such a cool experience for us as a band, was when we met up with a band from New Zealand that was called Devil Skin. And we met them in UK while we were on tour with them and they kept saying like, you guys need to come to New Zealand. We do pretty well over there. Like it's our place. (laughs) It's a small country, so it's easy to get around and and do tours and stuff. And I was like, man, like I would love to go to New Zealand, even if, you know, we don't really make any money touring. Like I just want to have the experience of going to New Zealand and playing a show like that would just be so sick. So the fact that they ended up inviting us to go to New Zealand and then have like an entire experience of a beautiful country and then be blown away. Um, The story I'll tell is we arrived to the first venue and their manager came in and said, guys, guys, this is really great. Like we sold 300 tickets and I was like. Oh my God, that's awesome. Like, I'm very happy to play New Zealand in front of 300 people. Like, I'm a happy camper today. And then he was literally just playing a trick on us to overwhelm us as we came out on stage. And there was like 3,000 people waiting for him. And this band just was so kind to invite us because we'd never played New Zealand. We've never had play in New Zealand. It was a completely new territory for us. Um, But they wanted to share the love of their country and show us around. And they wanted to like show us like what they do there. And that was like such an interesting because they just like are just this huge band in New Zealand. And then in other places, I say devil skin and nobody knows who they are. So it is kind of cool to go to these pockets of the world where certain things or certain styles of music or certain bands are like you know, these massive superstars. And then, you know, <laughs> another part, so you can kind of have this like secret <laughs> that you know about them and no one else does.
0: <laughs> and we actually kind of had a similar experience to you when you listened to Skin Dread and you wanted to be in a metal band. We listened to Skin Dread and we thought we need to get bands like these out to the world. And we are actually super appreciative of them because if I can honestly say if it wasn't for Benji appearing on that song, I don't know if we would ever would have heard of Sumo Psycho. So we are definitely appreciative of them for introducing us to you. And we have definitely tried to carry your torch of your band, getting you guys the word out there for you.
3: That's awesome. Thank you.
0: Oh, you're welcome. That's and so that's one thing that we absolutely love doing is is trying to get bands that are up and coming, or at least been around for a while, just haven't gotten their break, and just kind of interview them and and make sure that you know we do everything we can to promote their music because more people should definitely hear you. That's for sure, and and your band obviously.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> it's funny. Just last a couple episodes back, we interviewed a band from Finland called Blind Channel. Their story is very similar to what you're talking about, where like they're one of the bigger rock bands in Finland, and they're they just made it to the u s for the first time, and they're playing much smaller shows at that point. So we had talked about doing this sort of like interview series of international artists and And when we were setting this up with you, I was like, does like Ontario? really count as like international when we're based in like the Midwest US so like we're this kind of our neighbors really but now you're telling stories about Newport and going to New Zealand and stuff so I think we might have to count it at this point I think we've got an international episode yeah. on our hands here <laughs> just based on your world Dude, travels
3: yeah canada represent y'all there you go
2: <laughs> you're our first canadian representative i believe so that'll be cool <laughs> yeah
3: that's awesome
0: So you'd mentioned earlier that you were with your guitarist, Matt, since you did your solo career back in 2004. And you actually, you have a really fascinating career right before Sumo Psycho. You were kind of a pop artist and um, almost made it big. You were actually on tour with Britney Spears on her Onyx Hotel tour. And I believe that kind of got canceled because of some injury. You also did like the voiceover work as the singing voice for Barbie. And then the first show ever as Sumo Psycho was opening for Hollywood Undead in front of a thousand people. So somewhere within all that, you guys met and formed this very creative relationship. Can you tell us more about how you two formed this connection that's lasted through all these years?
3: Yeah. So I remember the first time I met Matt, he was trying to skateboard on a big gear cart down the middle of the rehearsal studio and uh, we had a bunch of guitar players lined up to audition to be in uh, my pop backing band so at the time i was signed to Capitol records and i was about to go out on kind of some promo tours and start touring and we needed um, some players and it just so happened that uh the kind of guy that they hired to kind of go look for these players was based in Hamilton, Ontario, which is not too far from where I grew up in Bolton, but um, it's kind of like what we consider like the, the rock and roll kind of gritty version down the road from Toronto. So Toronto's like, you know, high class upscale and then and then Hamilton's like the gritty like steel town where they have like all these, call it Mordor sometimes because all the fires <laughs> from the steel plants are all in the air and it kind of looks scary because you come over this massive bridge and it's like all this industrial stuff. And so these guys are like tough kind of seasoned around the block musicians that had been kind of in a various amounts of bar bands and some touring bands and stuff, but they're like, you know, road dogs kind of guys. So kind of getting to know them was... You know for me a young girl of 14 who hadn't seen the world yet and was basically used to like my theater productions is how (laughs) i kind of got my start and song and dance stuff singing competitions and whatnot i was like okay let's let's meet the real guys that do like the rock and roll so it was a huge influence on me being in a band with them because They had so much real world experience about being in bands. They had toured in bands. They like knew music history and all these cool artsy scenes that I was just learning about as a teenager. And I really looked up to up to the guys because I just thought it was the coolest thing as I was getting in the rock business that they had like all this cool experience and they were the real deal. So Matt and I became friends uh, through those years of touring on the road and Yeah, we did some crazy tours together. We went like to Hong Kong was like our first plane trip we went on together. Um, We did uh, 50 dates with Brittany in America and then in Europe. And we played like this first tour we did was in summer camps across the northern states. So that was like a weird kind of adventure as well. Like surprising all these kids at summer camp with like this pop out stage and stuff. So we had like a ton of fun and we did all these promo tours. Matt and I got really close because since he was the guitarist, whenever they would send us out to do like acoustic radio promo tours, he was the only one that would come because he would play guitar. So we became really good friends. And then I ended up doing a lot more work in LA when I was around like 18 or 19. I was working on my second record with Capital and was pretty much living in LA and writing songs and I didn't really stay in touch with Matt as much. And then when I, long story short, did another tour in Canada, I hired a completely different band because the guys had moved on and I had a whole different band. So there's kind of like this middle part that Matt and I weren't as tight or hanging out. And that's kind of when we reconnected um, when I was like 19, 18, 19, at the end of finishing my second record that, yeah, yeah. I was kind of like hey what's going on and he was working on a record with his other band called dodger but yeah we just kind of reconnected and yeah started getting into like he was showing me all this music like i mentioned and we were just like really on the same vibe of like wanting to try something new at that point my solo career was kind of winding down and his band he was kind of having ups and downs with trying to get like some good gigs and motivation to get that off the ground. So we just decided like, Hey, why don't we start something new? The two of us and see what we can do. Forces combined and yeah. (laughs) And the rest is history. So.
2: Seems to have worked.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You ever look back at what could have been with your pop career or were you always wanting to be like a part of the rock industry when you started?
3: Yeah, you know what? It's a little mixed bag. Um when I started in pop music, there was it was a whole different landscape than it was now. It was back in the days when CDs were still selling like crazy. There wasn't this emphasis on social media. The, you know, we just had a MySpace was like just yep. coming out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep
3: like it was really really kind of like old school like you know you want to get your video on mtv kind of vibes right so that's Mm -hmm. that's how i grew up kind of in that era so for me it was like probably the craziest thing any kid could ask for was like at 14 being flown out to Capitol records and then the next thing you know you're 16 years old and touring for like the biggest pop act in the world right that is kind of a crazy thing to put a teenager through that pretty much is no life experience, basically, right, right. and it's just starting to enter into a full-time job at a very young age in one of the most high-pressured industries with so much responsibility, and, you know, I'm around adults constantly that, you know, all need me to get on that stage and do a kick-ass job because their jobs depend on it, Right,
2: and <laughs> it's just, it was just... Put the pressure on the kid. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah a real crazy like experience to try to get through. But I was laser focused in the fact that like I was going to be a pop star. Like that was just the I got chosen, I got flown out. This was just what's going to happen for me. And then as you kind of go through the industry and realize, okay, not everything is like rainbows and butterflies here. There's a lot behind the scenes that I'm learning about. And even just the concept of what A business relationship is like, like everyone I worked with, I thought were my friends because we were hanging out on the road. We're having fun. We're doing all these great creative things that I look at as a passion project. Whereas a lot of them are looking at it a little bit differently as a way to like make money or to navigate through the industry and get, you know, up the ladder. And here I am thinking everybody just wants to be my friend and around me. And it's like, (laughs) no, you got to learn that lesson. Yeah. And, um, (laughs) so there's, Definitely things that happened in my pop career that I, you know, looking back, think, oh man, I could have done this differently or that differently. And there were so many moments that I felt like it was this close to just like tip the the scales mm-hmm. tipping to being like full blown into like, you know, super stardom. But there's also all these like weird moments that were just like holding me back from it. And I often say to people that kind of going through the process of ending my pop career was probably like the most humbling thing for my personality to be able to go through because if I had never had like some of those downs I think I would have just been like my head would have exploded because ever since I was 16 you know I'd I'd have all these like amazing things happen to me and never have a moment that's like hey like ground yourself like things don't always happen like so perfectly for everyone so having a lot of those kind of like crashes and then trying to build myself up with like this new project was definitely like I think you know, one of the most important, like get off your ass and get on it again and try again. <laughs> and like, you know, just like, what do you do when all the cards are stacked against you? And like to to see myself kind of rise through and like build this project from the ground up myself without having any of the The help like a lot of people think oh man, you must have had so many connections growing up in that pop industry it's like. Well, if you're trying to do this crazy genre of rock that's not really the most commercial and it's not really fitting into any of the connections that you know want to go to the highest echelons of pop music like. No one really had the time for me that i came to kind of talk to you about this project they're like no you kind of have to do it the old-fashioned way sky like get on the damn road and (laughs) play and play and play until you have like your credibility behind you and that you've you know paid your dues as like a rock band because it's a little bit different journey as a pop act or a rock band um so so yeah so there's times definitely that it goes back in my mind like oh man that would have been cool or maybe I would have had like my dream car by now if that happened, (laughs) you know, but everything I feel like has gotten me to where I am today and I'm in a pretty awesome spot and it's pretty cool to be able to, to have all the life experiences that I had. Like my mother will always say like, you never made a million dollars sky, but you sure have a million dollars worth of experiences. And that's, that's very true. Like I had so many cool things happen to me in my life and um But yeah, I always did though, love guitar driven music. And that's the one thing that even through my pop music, it's very clear Mm -hmm. that everything had guitars in it. Loved that little bit of rebellious kind of angst in everything I did. And a lot of people think, that I changed so much. Oh, you must have changed overnight. You went from pop act to rock act. But if if you really look into like the transition, you know, singing about not wanting to go to school and how much I hate boys was really rebellious at 14, but not right. so much when you're growing up and you're like in your early 20s. So the sentiment of of the rebellion and wanting (laughs) to like be aggressive was still there it just was displaying itself in a different way and i had some cool experiences in uh the second half of my pop career working with acts like tim armstrong from rancid Mm -hmm. and i wrote some songs with mark hoppus and i wrote with uh, matt wilder who did one of my favorite all-time albums tragic kingdom by no doubt i got to work with him and so there's a lot of people that were in kind of like the rock pop world that I was able to like tap into and kind of work with that got me a little bit more down that path of wanting to like full-time do rock music so it was all there it's just yeah it just took a little bit of time for me to find exactly what (laughs) I wanted to do
2: It actually does seem like a fairly natural progression, the way that you explain it there. Like, it's not really that far-fetched. It's just a series of moves that, like, kind of sequentially move you further and further towards this, like, kind of more chaotic and, like, the metal world or whatever, you that kind of thing.
3: Yeah, and I, I got to give Matt, you know, all the credit, too, because he, I'm the top line writer. I do all the lyrics and melodies. But he's, like, the genius behind all, like, the crazy riffs and the, the drumming and the you know, interesting kind of calypso vibes mixed with like reggae, mixed with yeah. like that's all, you know, coming out of his brain musically. And that shows like he comes from like a really diverse background as well. So, um, having him as like a big influence in my life has definitely kind of pushed me into like having like a diverse <laughs> taste in music and really kind of, um, I think it's really cool when you have a friend who kind of helps you get into music because sometimes you need a little bit of a nudge towards something that you may have not immediately, like maybe you heard the first song and weren't really kind of into it, but then someone goes, no, 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 you have to listen to the full record. Like it's yeah. amazing. Like, <laughs> and then you're like, okay, maybe I'll give it a second chance. And he's that person for me. Like he's always like, I mean, like Sky, have you listened to that song on the record? Like, and I'll give it a second chance and be like, wow. Like if you didn't point that out to me, to give it a second listen or to like invest more time into this band like maybe i wouldn't have fallen in love with them the way i i have and i think that that's what we are for a lot of people is like one of those bands that maybe you don't understand <laughs> the first time you listen to it it's kind of like what the hell is going on here <laughs> and then once you give it a little bit more of a chance you're like wow there is some kind of real cool hidden gems within it all that are bringing something different to the table and something interesting so I hope that there's people out there willing to to give us the kind of like nudge to their friends, the way that Matt has to me.
1: Yeah. I've heard you and Matt both say that you're very polarizing for people and people either really love you or really don't. Mm. (laughs) And I (laughs) I think part of that is similar to skin dread because you bring, you bring happy, like joyous energy mixed with heavy, hard energy. And then the people that don't like to enjoy the fun side and like to shit on everything. They just like to talk bad about stuff for no, no reason. They don't, they don't wanna have fun and you should embrace the fun.
3: Yeah, <laughs> it's so true. I find, yeah, I am a very bubbly, happy person and it, it's kind of s- seems counterintuitive for me to like the heavy side of music, but I just do. And so when I bring my energy to that thing, It's got to have some type of fun and energy to it and color. And that's, you know, I can't help who I am and what I do. And that's just what you're going to get when you mix the two of us together, you know? So, but it is very true. I think some people have this wall up um with wanting to be like you know they can't embrace a smile it's like the people that yeah. walk down the street and then just they won't smile because it's like they're too cool for it or something right yeah. and they make it into that but really I kind of feel bad for people that can't have fun because it's it's so much better when you can just embrace right you know that side of you that just lets go and like is inviting and not having this wall of like okay only The gatekeepers will only let so much past it if it doesn't meet the criteria (laughs) of their, like, you know, what they think is, like, I don't know, their idea of cool. Right. Yeah, it's been interesting, especially being on, like, a label like Napalm, which does have a lot of, you know, harder metal followers. Right. um, Being exposed to that audience is kind of, like, was kind of eye-opening for me because up until this point it's been a very like slow build of niche fans through the internet that normally stumble across you because they're on some like youtube rabbit hole or something and normally they're very positive and then to see like a barrage of negative comments of people being like you can't dress like that or you can't look like that or you can't sing like that or like what are you doing on this channel it was kind of like a little bit of a shock for me at first and i consider myself having a pretty thick skin i mean i've been kind of in the public eye for so long, and I've had tons of negative comments. But when it all comes at once in a barrage, sometimes it can be like, okay, hold on, like, what is that real consensus of what the world thinks? Or is that just like a real small group of people that are just a lot louder than everyone else? And that's kind of typically what it is,
1: right? The vocal minority? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah, a bunch of trolls.
3: So, But yeah, we've tried to take it in our stride. And in a way, I kind of look at it. If you're finally getting like that negative bunch of people like flocking to your stuff, that usually means that you've kind of hit a certain threshold of popularity that you're starting to attract That's true. So yeah. to me, it's almost like a sign of like, yeah, it sucks. But you're also kind of getting to that next level where you're being exposed to a whole new category of people. And that to me means that there's probably a lot more people that will like it in between all those haters so yeah so it's kind of like you got to kind of look at it at the glass half full in that situation even though it's easy to look at it half empty
0: speaking of music videos and going down the rabbit hole your band seems like they have a ton of fun making your music videos and <laughs> believe that you make them on your own for almost like half the songs or majority of the songs that you create i know you created videos for half the songs off the initiation album and ended up shooting them yourselves were there any challenges to bringing the visions of those videos to life
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) The way that we looked at Sumo Psycho when we first started was we were just going to be an online band that did music videos because touring to us seemed like a very uh, more difficult step to get to. Like you kind of had to work within the industry to find connections to be able to do that, whereas we knew that YouTube had been kind of like my little haven in between losing my pop deal and then kind of transitioning I would spend a lot of time just making videos stupid videos of like me doing photo shoots or makeup tutorials or whatever and I built like this kind of cult little following that just was waiting for for me to put out new music and I thought hey we can you know do something fun with these people following along and i started making these little like hints and trailers being like something's coming something scary's coming and then did this video where i kidnapped myself <laughs> with my alter ego from Simo psycho severed you know putting a bag over my head and being like sky's mine i'm putting her in the attic and now <laughs> not me instead So it was kind of our fun way of like taking those people who are following along on this like journey into Sumo Psycho's world. And we decided we were just gonna make our own videos. So the first video we did, I rented a camera. The second one, I bought a camera and just started (laughs) accumulating gear, completely self-taught. Always loved making, you know, my own behind the scenes videos i have always done it since I was a kid. That's how I even got signed to capital was I made like a stop motion animation video for one of my songs. So I loved I loved film. I loved video making. And Matt was actually weirdly enough in the years that we were bonding on the road. He would introduce me to tons of films and tons of like he loves like BC movie, like horror genre and like sci-fi's. And so anything that had like a really cool practical effect that they were able to accomplish, I remember him like, you know, how they did that, you know, how they did that in Evil Dead, like they had like a stick and then the camera was on it and they pushed it over top of trees to make it look like it's <laughs> a monster pushing a tree over and like, I'd be like, oh, that's so cool. So we kind of bonded over that stuff. So we're like, let's do that in our videos. Like, let's take that energy and make music videos. Yeah. We just self-taught and every single sumo psycho music video is directed by matt and i or one of us or the other we started with our first record we made all the music videos like continue from where the first one left off so it was kind of right. like a going down the alice in wonderland kind of <laughs> world of our world of psycho city so we had all these kind of characters and different kind of warped time kind of stuff where I, I'm in one area and then a door opens and I'm in a, a cornfield, you know, we did all this kind of fun stuff. And then, yeah, just kept building off of that and learning. For a couple videos we even got involved like some extra crew but we've always been so DIY with it because we just found like music videos can suck up a huge portion of a band's budget. And if you can do it yourself and, and use resources that make it look really cool like it was expensive but it's really not. That's how we found to like cut corners and to be able to have a momentum that got us off the ground as a band because we were able to be like hey check out all the content we're making and now it seems so obvious that that's what you should do is create lots of content but back in the early like where were we like 2009 or 2010 when we started developing this it really the fast pace of content wasn't up to what it is now so the fact that we kind of caught on to that and started making like videos where they would come out every month, there'd be something new. And we'd have all these in between videos of behind the scenes. And, uh, you know, me doing makeup tutorials on how I did the makeup in the video. And so yeah, for initiation, I kind of wanted to get go like take a step further. I always every album I want to kind of do another kind of like upgrade of my try to challenge myself. Yeah. Um, and it was unfortunate because I had like such a great plan. But the pandemic kind of messed that up because I had this whole concept for the third record initiation to have all these different gangs in Psycho City kind of warring against each other. Um, But obviously that means a lot of people and actors and friends of mine that I was kind of getting into the film process. And then once the pandemic hit, obviously there is like just impossible to get all these people together to make this happen. And that's when we were about to release the record. So it was just kind of, you know, my ideas unfortunately didn't get fully realized, but I still kind of, Put on that thinking cap of mine and thought of like different ways to make the videos kind of fit with the theme of the record, even though it wasn't exactly how I envisioned. So if you see the first two videos, which are Love You Wrong and Run With The Giants, that was kind of on my trajectory. And then when we kind of had to derail to do No Surrender, it's basically me and the band are the only ones in that one. But I tried to play like a character from each of the four factions or gangs to try to kind of weave it in a little bit. Nice. But yeah, it was a lot of fun doing the videos. Vertigo was a video that I really put a lot of time into because we did so many setups for that and we built a bunch of sets, put Matt to work, hardcore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because he's normally the one that'll be like, okay, I'm picturing this like box and I need this painted like this and I need this attached to this. And then he's like, oh, how do I do this? Like, I've never done this stuff before. So (laughs) kind of got to figure it out as you go along. But we're the type of people that will be driving down the side of a road and I'll be like, oh, my God, stop. We got to pull over and grab that piece of junk off the end of someone's driveway because <laughs> you never know if we could use it in a music video. It looks cool. You know, Yeah. So we awesome. just kind of try to use as many resources as we can and um, come up with like some fun ideas. And then normally it involves like torturing my other bandmates to do something crazy that they're like, what do you want me to do? Like we had <laughs> videos where I put them in burlap masks, like scarecrow masks. And then I was like, oh, perfect idea. We're going to make it rain indoors. And like, so not only do we have to wear these like really itchy, uncomfortable masks, but now we're soaking wet while we're doing it. It's like waterboarding, basically my band. So, yeah, they weren't too happy with that. But they're such good, happy campers. They're like, OK, here we go. Sky with their crazy ideas. again." <laughs> um but yeah we have a lot of fun with the video side of things and i think that that's like what makes us us but at the same time as we kind of grow as a band we realize how much effort and time the music video side takes sometimes even more than the music side to be honest so when we were releasing initiation for example the label wanted there to be four singles back to back every month with a new video. And because I was doing pre-production, then filming and then editing, it would literally take me the whole month and all I could work on was the music video before the next one needed to start and we needed to get that one done so we could keep moving on. And I found I had absolutely like no time to do anything else. Like I couldn't do promo. I couldn't do, you know, all the social media stuff I wanted to do because I was just so focused on making these music videos happen that now i'm starting to realize i might need to bring some more people in on the editing or you know (laughs) creative side even though i have a hard time losing my crazy control that's one thing i'm i realize that i have a little issue with this control because of how i felt so out of control at the end of my pop career not being able to you know release for instance my second record uh, was shelved in America and I was only able to release it in Canada and Japan, which was still great. So it saw the light of day. But there's a lot of things when working with a larger company that you're kind of one cog in the machine and you don't have complete control over everything, which is what I gravitated to with Sumo Psycho. It's like, I can control all of this. It's my baby,
1: you know? Um,
3: So when I'm trying to get more people involved in certain aspects, I just have like this complete panic. Like I can't trust anyone with my, my child. It's almost like you're trying to like hand it over to this babysitter you've never met before sometimes, but I'm getting better with it. So I want to invite more people to be creative and I'm starting, you know, now that the pandemics wound uh, down and we've had, you know, a successful tour, we've just come off, I feel like, okay, now it's time to kind of suss out some creative people in my area and figure out if we can do some like collaborations to kind of move a little faster. So I don't feel like this huge weight of everything that needs to be done is on my head, but Still, video is like such a huge part of what we do, but I realize sometimes it holds us back from getting stuff out as, as efficiently as we should, just because I'm like, I want to do all of it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it seems like most of your videos or most of your songs that you uh, make take place in the fictional world called Psycho City. What comes first? Is it, I guess, you know, does the music help create the concept or does the concept help create the music?
3: yeah so a lot of the time it is music first but there has been some ideas that i don't know just pop into my head of like oh man this would be really cool to like make a video that was centered around something like this and then i'll come up with like a phrase to be like maybe in a chorus somewhere in in one of the songs so you never really know where that inspiration is going to hit and then sometimes something happens out of the blue, like a pandemic or something that completely changes your plan or a song that you thought was going to be a video ends up being not one of the contenders for singles or something like that. So it's really I find it really hard to completely have like this master plan from the outset. Um, It's really a lot of rolling with the punches to see what kind of comes out. and to be open to suggestions too because i think if i'm too focused on like this is the way that it's got to be from like in the inception of the idea then i won't let in ideas from you know Matt or from the other band members or from like our management and things like that and i think it's it's smart to be open to ideas and at least sussing everything out to just be like oh this is a possibility let's just see if this works better so uh, for us, I think it's definitely like a scramble for me because out of everyone in the project, I'm the one who really holds on to this Psycho City concept. I just, I love fictional worlds and I love having kind of this ongoing theme through everything that we do. Whereas I think sometimes Matt could like take or leave it where he's like, it's a cool <laughs> video, it's just a cool video. It doesn't matter if it like takes place anywhere. But I'm like, I want to put in these little Easter eggs so people know. <laughs> like I will get down to the fact where I'm like a day or two away from the video and I'm scrambling to make like drink labels and everything has to be completely unique to Psycho City. I don't want a bottle of Tito's vodka. I want Vixen vodka with their own label and it says made in Psycho City on the bottom. And it's like, no one's going to notice that. That's awesome. But I just feel like that's just my brain. I want to do as much as I can, like a full production would.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah,
3: yeah. Usually they would have an art department for all this stuff, but I'm trying to do every single thing. And and I think Matt realizes for me, he's like, okay, girl, let, calm it down. <laughs> you know, aren't going to notice all this stuff. Like you didn't get by with being just in a rock band without having like all this <laughs> kind of world attached to it. But I think it's just something that's, You know, my little pet project as part of the band is always trying to integrate everything to Psycho City. And I know there's a few kind of crazy fans of ours that know all the all the ins and outs and details (laughs) that I'm like, I can't let them down. You know, I can't (laughs) let them down. They're going to be watching to see what we do next. So it is a secondary part. The music is our main focus and like what we want to be. Uncompromising with. And then the videos, I want them to stand alone. But at the same time, if I can weave in a little bit of Psycho City in there, that would be like, you know, that's the ultimate what we hope for every time.
2: <laughs> that's fair. I love the idea that you guys are kind of, it's more than a band. It's sort of this like all purpose art project. So this obviously very into the visual and how you're constantly changing up the look and you've built a whole fictional world. When we were doing prep for this, Dan was like, do these guys have a graphic novel? And I was like, I don't think so. But probably they will at some point if they don't. That's got to be on the horizon somewhere.
3: (laughs) For sure. Yeah. There's so many projects like that that I would love to do. And I I even just feel like I just need to do just some like overall YouTube videos to just explain to those that are maybe meeting the band now or just catching up now Yeah. to be like hey here's how everything's kind of played out in the history to kind of like take you through like a cold notes version of like the psycho city history just to refresh everyone about it just because it can be kind of a hard thing to just jump in the middle of if you're just overwhelmed by like oh my gosh they've released like 32 music videos and all these in between videos with these little (laughs) storylines so yeah one day I'll, i'll get to all that external stuff, I guess, but
2: <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah.
3: Right now it's the same thing. Like always never enough time in the day. I always got so much to do. So
2: I do want to make sure that we note because we've got to promote something here for people to check out <laughs> for you guys. So I saw you guys live at Reggie's a couple of months back. Awesome. Uh, it was, I think the last date on the tour with black satellite and you guys either recently are just about to, I can't remember, to be honest, put out a tour book. Yeah. And Which I think is a super cool idea that you're probably not the very first to do it, but it's not that common. I think it's a great idea. It's like, you know, a collection of concert photography and notes from these shows and journal entries and just like, you're kind of talking about this like behind the scenes. Let me get all the little notes and all the tidbits and the the details of how all this went. So that's cool. Like not only as something to market and sell, but something for you guys to have 10 years down the line, you go back and look and remember all this stuff too.
0: For sure. Like you have it
2: so well documented. Yeah. So that's just something for people to check out, and you're welcome to give us more details on that if you like as well.
3: Yeah, so way back in 2018, we made our first tour book. We were on tour with our girlfriend, Francesca Ludicar, which is a great photographer who's helped a lot along the way with Sumo Psycho's art and whatnot.
2: She's next on our list of questions actually.
3: Okay, cool. Um, So we did a tour book with her and we actually had no intention to do a tour book for this tour. We just so happened to meet a young photographer named Holly Turner, who was actually on tour with Black Satellite, the opening Mm -hmm. act. And we had about another six weeks of touring to do when we ended our tour with Black Satellite. We're jumping on another tour and we kind of asked her like, hey, what are you you up to? And she was like, oh, nothing. If you guys want a photographer slash merch girl, I'm in. (laughs) So I was like, okay, cool. And then I showed Holly our tour book that we had made and she was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Like every photographer these days is kind of stuck in this digital world of constantly putting things out digitally, but A lot of them don't get the opportunity or chance as much to have like a printed version of their work. So I think that that was really appealing to her. So we thought, yeah, let's make this happen. So along the journey of the last six weeks of tour, a lot of our social media posts, you can see she has like a scrapbook look to some of our posts. And that was Holly and I kind of working together to kind of anticipate that there was going to be a tour book and we were going to do something similar to that. It's going to be really cool. It's in the pre-order stage right now. And we're hoping to ship them out at the beginning of October, just because it takes a little bit after the tour is done to like get them all made and finalized and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited about it. It's going to be our second edition and there's lots of crazy stories. There's like our bass player getting taken away by a sheriff in Texas. There's, (laughs) um, oh my gosh, so many things. There's like this whole, uh, arc of all the crazy things we've eaten throughout the tour, which is just a story in itself. Um, all the days off and like almost like shooting fireworks into like someone else's RV and me getting sued for it. Like there's so much fun stuff that you'll only find the tour book. So if anybody wants to check out like the real life behind the scenes of a touring band, it's all at sumo You can pre-order now and it'll be out in a month.
0: Yes. There you go.
2: That's awesome. So, you brought up Frankie Ludacar, another one of our favorite bands is, is Nonpoint. And we know that you guys have had, we've had a couple of conversations with them on the show. They're, they're great. And so we know you guys have had a relationship with them for a while. Can you tell us more about that? Like, obviously, Frankie, she's sort of a, she's a videographer. She's really a, a called a Jill of all trades, uh, particularly for them right <laughs> now. But I know she's done a lot with you guys in the past as well. And that fits so perfectly into, like, you're talking about how much this like visual and video like aesthetic. That you guys go for,
3: yeah.
0: So
2: can you can you tell a little more about that kind of relationship and with you and her and nonpoint?
3: Yeah, so I knew Fran from like way back in the day. That's why she's Fran or Francesca to me because I knew her before she even had the nickname Frankie. Yeah. <laughs> Frankie was my neighbor and she lived 10 doors down in the country, (laughs) which is like a a long way down the road. (laughs) But I didn't know she was there. This talent was there until I was doing some of my pop stuff and she had this screen name on my message board that said Bolton girl. And we are both from Bolton, Ontario, which is our hometown. And I was like, who's this Bolton girl? She must live somewhere in Bolton. I mean, not (laughs) a lot of people would call themselves Bolton girl if it wasn't for that. (laughs) And I just noticed she had like this really cool art that she was always posting. And then it was the MySpace days. And I was like, can you do like a cool layout for my MySpace? And she's like, sure. So. I got to know her through that and I was like, oh, my gosh, you like live next door to me like this is amazing. (laughs) So it was perfect. I started like working with her on a bunch of different projects and I took her kind of into my world of entertainment and kind of took her to the shows. And um, this was before she was even a photographer, like she was just basically into graphic design. And we actually worked with another friend of ours who was a photographer, but through that, we kind of got more experience. And this was a time in our lives where we were just teenagers, right? Like 16, 17 years old. So Mm -hmm. I think I got her feet wet in the craziness of the entertainment industry and now she's stuck in it. So it's kind (laughs) of my fault. (laughs) But yeah, Nonpoint we happened to meet in about, I think it was 2016, around there, that we did our first tour with Nonpoint overseas in UK with Fozzie. Nice. Nice. And met those guys then. And then our next tour was in 2018. And we brought Francesca along as a content creator and to help with merch and stuff. And that's when she met the Nonpoint guys. And that's when we did our first tour book. And I think being the opening band and having this phenomenal photography presence, releasing a tour book. Having like uh, video blogs, following our adventures that Francesca helped with. I think that was kind of like Nonpoint's like, hey, why aren't we doing all this stuff? <laughs> so I think at that point, they're like, okay, we got to hire this girl to do some stuff for us now. And we are more than happy to lend her over to our friends in Nonpoint because <laughs> obviously it's a great experience for Francesca. And now she's got like a really great thing going with them. And I just saw her a couple of days ago. So we're still great friends and still keep in contact, but she's definitely like super busy with No point these days. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why we have some other collaborators we're working with. But yeah, we'll definitely be working together in the future with some projects for sure. But yeah, she's definitely a huge part in helping me throughout all the years of she's done our album covers and a lot of the artwork that you see and photography from Sumo Psycho is mostly her stuff, especially up until like the last couple of years. So yeah, great girl and awesome to work with. So yeah, it's been a cool journey.
0: Nice. Yeah. So Sumo Psycho is obviously a lot about the visuals. I mean, you have your music videos, uh, kind of a whole theme going on. Do you feel that that theme is going to carry over to your live shows as you kind of start headlining more and more tours? For instance, I really, I love the Terranauts. And for anybody that doesn't know, the Terranauts are, I guess, like the citizens of Psycho City, like ones like the Skull Face characters. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm just curious: have, are there any plans to ever make like Terranauts' appearance in your live show or to like kind of incorporate any anything from Psycho City into your live show?
3: yeah you know what ultimately I'd love to do that we did one show one headline show that I decided to do like a huge a little bit of a bigger production for in Toronto where I had my brother dress up as one of the characters called the ugly (laughs) and I had him come out like at at a strategic point in the song we have a song called the ugly as well and chase me around the venue as (laughs) if it was like a cartoon kind of chase and i remember a couple of the fans in the front were like actually like scared and like we're trying to hit him so that he wouldn't get and i was like feeling so bad for my poor brother who i like conned into doing this for me i was like trust me it's gonna be fun you just have to wear an outfit and then when i say go we just (laughs) you just chase me around the venue it was so much fun i thought it was great but yeah it was uh, my poor brother was getting like smacked
2: I'm going to title this episode Sky Sweetnam Sets Up Her Own Brother.
3: Yeah. <laughs> or Cam. But yeah. No,
1: That's awesome.
3: We had some good intentions and some of this stuff to like kind of go bigger <laughs> with that kind of stuff. But it definitely does take like a little bit of a a budget and the headline kind of slot to be able to have enough time and resources to make it all work but yeah i'd love i'd love to have like a full psycho city set with the terror coming in and like i grew up loving musicals that's how i got into like performing and singing and being on stage so i come from that more like theatrical mind and i guess that's why Um, So many of our music videos have that theatrical vibe to them. So, yeah, I definitely would love to have more of like a production happen and yeah, razzle dazzle them, of course. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That's fantastic. I love that. Yeah. One of my favorite live bands has kind of a stage show just like that Avenged Sevenfold. I can almost kind of imagine like Psycho City having like these big, you know, Terranauts on stage. Just yeah, I, I would love to see that. I, I hope that that happens at one point.
3: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we we'll, we'll we'll keep working towards it. How's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: sounds great. It's a,
2: it's a matter of time. We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna start wrapping it up here. We got a couple questions. We try to ask as many people as we can whenever we speak to them. We call them our rapid fire questions. The first one on there is, "What is a song or an album that changed your life?" And you kind of already might have answered this right at the beginning, but we'll still give you a chance.
3: Yeah, definitely. Let's do Babylon from Skindred, since we're all fans here.
2: Nice, that'll work. We've already covered the whole story. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh. What is uh, an album that is all killer and no filler? You got to do a different one on this one.
3: I can't do some 41s, all killer, no filler.
2: Oh, Oh, man, that's the most (laughs) literal answer. No one's ever come up with that before.
1: (laughs) I love it. Well, I guess we have to
2: take that question off the list. She's given the the official correct answer to that question.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Definitely got to rephrase it.
2: (laughs) to do a new one, yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, A band everyone should see live.
3: Oh, man. I'm going to go with our friends in Nonpoint. We're talking about them. They're a killer live band.
2: We would agree with that. We're hoping to see them live as soon as possible. They are on tour Shit. all the time. Shiprocked. Dan's about <laughs> the shiprock life. He's going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And then last, an artist more people should know.
3: Uh, this
2: is your chance to shout out somebody else.
3: Yeah. I'm going to give it to Enter Shikari from UK. They're one of Matt and my favorite acts and we're going to go see them in concert next month. So I'm really stoked for that. Um, They're amazing. Well known in UK as, as we talked about some of the bands that are popular one spot, but North America needs to get on, on the Enter Shikari train because they're so talented and just creative and the records like just, like ourselves, span a lot of different types of moods and go super heavy, but also super pop and light and just en- encompass a lot of artistic exploration. And I, I love them. So, I our Shikari.
2: Fantastic.
0: North America also needs to get on the sumo psycho train too. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's
2: true. We're gonna, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're pushing for. Well, Sky, thank you very much for giving us your time. We thank really you. appreciate it. Enjoy it. Yeah.
3: Thank you guys so much for spreading the word and supporting. That's so great to hear that you're, you know, out there trying to champion some of the bands that need the help to, to get awareness out there. So that means a lot guys. So keep it up.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for your time. We appreciate it.
3: Of course. Hope to see you guys again. So maybe reach out when we have some new music out and we can do this again.
1: That's the plan. Definitely. <laughs> will.
3: awesome. Thanks Take so care. Much. Thank you very much. Bye.
1: That was our conversation with Skye Sweetnam of Sumo Psycho.
0: So I, I did want to kind of make mention, uh, we were under the impression by the email too, that Matt was going to be joining the interview. And so we actually kind of had prepared some questions for him too. Uh, so I was a little, I was a little disappointed that he he didn't join, but one of the things that I deducted from her responses, and I, I'm sure that I'm not far off to be honest, but You know, she makes mention of basically the people being around her, she thought, would being her friends, and a lot of them were just business associates just trying to do their job or, or make it to the next level, but it sounded like you know matt was one of those true friends he just sounds like a true genuine guy even with her how, not without her saying that he, he just sounds like a true genuine guy because he called her back you know he's was, he was excited to share music with her like a, like a friend would do you know right that's what i do with all my friends right, that's right. probably why they don't call me anymore but um <laughs> it's <laughs> most of what our group text is right so. right yes. yeah checking out songs <laughs> so you know just i that even kind of made me a little bit more disappointed that we that we didn't get a chance to talk to him but um because you know he's he's kind of the musical genius behind sumo psycho and i just would have liked to pick his brain a little bit more about that but like we said we're definitely hoping that we get a chance to talk to them again um and maybe more than just a, you know more than just a sky well
1: on the flip side of what you just said there the thing that we were kind of worried about was we had so much so many topics that we wanted to touch on and we did touch on basically all of them but we we were worried that if if we had Matt and Sky that we wouldn't be able to hit up as many topics as we would have liked so I think without I think without having Matt there we were able to kind of focus on a couple of things a little bit more but I agree I enjoyed it right off the bat when we mentioned Skindred and just the look on her face and the glow of the smile when we mentioned Skindred and it just kicked off from there. And it, it was an awesome conversation that I'm very glad we were able to to do.
0: Yeah. It, it kind of was funny all throughout the conversation. It, it, every band that she like mentioned, it was like, Hey, you know, those were like great friends with them. Or that's like one of our favorite bands, like Nonpoint and, and skin dread. And um, you know, and now that she had mentioned enter Shikari, you know, it's really funny as I, I kind of told you guys this afterwards, the next day I had never heard of that band. Uh, and the very next day, youtube was uh playing songs on random for me and lo and behold that song came up and i, was just, I, I shared it to our conversation i was like wow this is odd yeah <laughs> at it again listen to my damn conversations uh, yeah i hate that stuff hate it but at the same time like i can't complain i got to hear the damn band i wanted to hear it was pretty good it's <laughs> true so, <laughs> sometimes it works
2: to your advantage even though it's creepy yeah, yeah exactly <laughs>
0: it is fucking creepy but it. i mean it does work out a little bit
2: I I will say going into it, I was a little bit worried that we're going to spend too much time on skin dread (laughs) because of how much we love them. But the, the truth of the matter is, even though we did spend a good few minutes at the beginning of that conversation talking pretty much exclusively about them. But like the story she told, I thought was fantastic because I had no idea that like Babylon was that influential, like a game changer in like sort of transitioning, helping her take that step into that style And being, you know, going from sort of a pop artist to a rock artist. So it was like it felt it really did feel like another sort of like like when we talked to Ari and talked about growing up together, it was like that band influenced her in a similar level, I guess, to what say with the impact that they had on us. So it felt very like Kindred to talk to them about it.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. It was fun.
2: So that was a great story. I appreciated that. And then getting to bring nonpoint into it as well later on, another band that we that we really appreciate. I love so many just like paths crossing that we've got in common with some of these artists
0: yeah yeah it's like a big family that we're that we feel like we should be a part of too <laughs> we're trying to sneak into yeah that we're that we're forcing ourselves into by trying to have
1: conversations
0: we're, we want to be the damn stepchildren all right like,
1: <laughs> we want to get in on this yes
2: <laughs> but yeah it was really cool to, to have somebody on the show that's had that at as young as she still is, has had such a long musical career and at such a high level, you know, we've talked. And if you look into her story in the back, you'll you notice she was sort of being like positioned as like an Avril Lavigne and, you know, had chips fallen a little bit differently. She might have basically been Avril Lavigne, but instead she's sever. And we like that a lot better personally anyway. (laughs) So right. We're all for that. But man.
0: I didn't re- realize the extent of their music video uh, making. I guess, like, I, I knew mm-hmm. that they had a lot of music. Video. I had no idea they had thirty-two. Right, what she specifically 32. mentions in the, yeah. in the interview. Right, it's like half the songs they've ever made as a band, pr- maybe yeah. more. <laughs> Which is impressive. I mean, I, I, it's it's awesome too because it they're they're you can clearly say that they're like a new age band because mm-hmm. they're all about the digital visual content. Right. I and mean, she had mentioned making several short videos as well, too. And that's what's fascinating
1: with them specifically just being creators of all this and and doing it themselves. It's kind of kind of similar to, to non point in a way with being on their own label and, and such. You know, they're taking the the focus on Making the videos, like they said, you know, a lot of a lot of the budget is saved by by doing that. So it's it's kind of a just an interesting thing that they are able to do. And I think that's very cool.
2: So it's funny you bring that up, because like literally right after we finished our conversation with her, uh, Sky posted online a new project that she's working on called Concerts 101. And it is a video series about what you need to know about attending live music like in the venues behind the scenes stuff about basically what it's like to be a band going through that process of, you know, looking and playing shows and stuff like that. And first of all, I think that's something she's perfectly suited for. I would also love to see her do a set if she hasn't already pretty much like on how to do like DIY music videos. Cause you think about like some of these big bands have these giant budgets. They only make a few videos here and there. These guys make a million of them and they don't have, this enormous budget she's you know they're they're very crafty she's finding ways to make videos that look great without a huge amount of money behind them and I think that's something that could benefit a ton of bands if she wanted to kind of share that knowledge
0: yeah Yeah, I agree with that
2: so there's a free idea for Sky that I'm sure she's already had because she's clearly a person that is perpetually overflowing with creative ideas
1: (laughs) the other thing that I just appreciated in this whole conversation is the level of openness that Sky shared and just kind of threw all the cards out on the table and whatever, whatever we brought up, she rolled with it for however long she felt like talking about it. And that was, that was an enjoyable aspect of the conversation. We appreciate that.
0: We definitely appreciate her time with us. It was awesome. It was just a lot of fun, good conversation. I love talking about music uh, with musicians. It's it is my favorite thing that we do, guys. (laughs) And this was no exception.
2: We've really spoken to some some artists, artists lately, and uh, and she's she's one of them. So let us know, you know, what you learned basically from this, because
0: we learned a lot. And that's part of the fun here. And in the meantime, go check out their videos. They've got tons of them. Do everything you can to support this band. They are well worth it. Thank you very much for listening to The Itch Podcast. My name is Dan. I'm Casey. And I'm Aaron. And until next time, go visit Psycho City. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend about
1: The Itch. Check out the show notes for links about the episode, as well as our new music
0: playlist and where you can hear us every Sunday night. And you can interact with us at itchrocks.com or on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Gmail, all at I t c h. ROCKS.